Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is Kay Wood, the host of Planet Philadelphia. Linda Rosenwein is also here with me, and we're doing another Zoom interview. And we're very happy to be touching back with Lynn Robinson, whom we spoke with quite some time ago about an issue in our neighborhood. Lynn is the director of Neighbors Against the Gas Plants. Hi, Lynn. So nice to Hi. speak with you again. Great to speak with you again. So when we spoke to you a while ago, you were with other neighbors protesting the idea that SEPTA would build a gas plant at their Midville bus depot. And I believe that's near the intersection of Wissahickon and Roberts Avenue. Do I have that right? Yes. So I'm director of Neighbors Against the Gas Plants. And it's more than one plant. We've only been basically fighting one, but when we got involved, SEPTA had planned on six, not in the same spot, but for Philadelphia and Upper Darby. Uh, they have built it now and it is next to the bus depot, even though it is not serving the buses, but that's the location where they had room to put it. And basically what they're doing is they're burning natural gas, which is the same gas that we have in our furnaces and our, our hot water and, and uh, cooking. Um, they're burning natural gas to produce electricity and sending that electricity in overhead wires to Wayne Junction to run the regional trains there. There's six train lines there. And they're basically replacing the electricity that they've been using from PICO. Pico's doing a little bit of it, but most of the electricity they're replacing using that gas generator. What was the reason they gave for doing that? I believe they've been using Pico pretty much undisturbed for years. They said that because of climate change, you know, we're expecting some unpredictable weather events and especially, you know, extreme heat events, but, you know, others, storms, um, they feel that they have to have resiliency for the trains. And so it was in case of a uh, fluke event, they needed this gas plant. Now, this means that they're running it 24 seven, 365 days a year in case of a weather event. And we looked into it and we identified all kinds of different weather disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and and hot and cold. And we realized that the trains would be sheltered in place for most of that stuff anyway. And that in extreme heat and cold, the gas plant actually shuts down and relies on Pico. So it's, it was just a good, you know, sounding greenwashing kind of reason that they gave people. Now they also have tried to woo the environmentalists by saying that by burning this gas in the city, they are reducing greenhouse gases in the region. Sometimes they leave out the word region and just say greenhouse gases, which fools some people and makes them think that locally they're reducing greenhouse gases. But anyway, they used the EPA CHP calculator. It's something that was created 21 years ago by the EPA CHP partnership project. That project was created by two people that are still running it down in Washington, DC, and they promote combined heat and power plants. They're gas electrical generators that not only produce electricity, but also 
can heat buildings with the excess waste heat. And so the Obama administration uh, supported the concept of CHPs because they have a dual purpose and they're better than just burning gas to produce electricity. But it doesn't mean that it's green. It doesn't mean that it's not putting greenhouse gases into the air. So they do, they do a calculation where the, all they do is measure what comes out of the smokestack at the power plant and compare that to what comes out of smokestacks in the grid. And so they're saying that this CHP that SEPTA has will produce less greenhouse gases than what would be produced during the grid. Now, the grid is a combination of gas and, and oil and coal and, and nuclear and not enough wind and solar. The thing is, is that this calculation was done with some old figures before a couple of coal plants closed down. And also, it um, doesn't take into account the methane leaks that are part of the whole gas process going from the drill site to the transportation of it to the end use. And so it's not really measuring the, the life cycle of, of these materials. And we feel that it might be maybe 7%, 10%. We don't really know how much less greenhouse gases is being produced, but it's nothing like what they claimed, which is 41%. And the bottom line is that it still doesn't justify polluting in an environmental justice community, in an urban low-income Black neighborhood that's already a dumping ground for many other sources of pollution. It doesn't justify doing that to run the regional trains serving the suburbs so that you don't pollute someplace out somewhere else in the state, it, it do, it's, it's not solving the problem. You know, if they want to solve the problem of greenhouse gases, we suggest set up solar panels all over the five counties where you've got your train lines and stations and other properties. Plenty of room for solar panels if you really want to go green. Don't introduce new fossil fuel infrastructure in our city when we are trying to transition this city off of gas. Because natural gas is a fossil fuel and it's warming the planet just as fast as the coal industry and the oil industry when you look at all the leaks. So despite opposition, it has been built and is now in operation. What does the community feel needs to happen now at this stage? Great. First of all, the community has no benefit from this project, and the riders don't have any benefit. Their schedule's the same, and the, the prices are the same. Um, the community has never been in favor of it and never been listened to. And that doesn't mean that they're in favor of it now. It just means that it's operating, and there's more air pollution. So Neighbors Against the Gas Plants is staying put. Unfortunately, we did not stop it from being fired up, but we need to be a watchdog. We need to watch the air pollution levels. We need to watch what happens when, you know, SEPTA is trying to sell part of that property right now. And it's zoned industrial two and industrial one. Industrial two would allow another polluting project. So this is an, an issue that we need to address and try to prevent that sale going to another polluting entity. Um, but beyond that, we're realizing that we have to address air pollution in general in the area. And so we're reaching out to other groups 
for example, the Nicetown CDC, they are planning to put a play area underneath of uh, Route 1 for kids, recreational area, which is wonderful to have a place for kids to play. However, Route 1 is spilling a whole lot of especially particulate pollution and toxic pollutants from the roadway because it's elevated. So we are looking into putting a barrier on Route 1, which would block those particulates and any kind of particles that are heavier than air that spill off. You know, most, a lot of the gases that come out of the tailpipes will go up and move with the wind. We're also working with what's called FEND. It's a P-H-E-N-N-D. It's a, a group of over 25 universities in the Philadelphia area who want to collaborate with grassroots groups and be of assistance. And we're working with them and requesting some help with several different calculations. We want to talk to SEPTA, have a meeting with them and talk about putting a barrier of trees around the perimeter of their property and their other properties in the Northwest because of the way that trees filter, not just carbon dioxide, but nitrogen oxides. And they're, they're also a sound barrier, but the most important thing is to filter the air and to put out more oxygen because Nicetown in particular is fairly treeless. It's also a heat island. And that brings up the other issue that we'd like to work on, which is to collaborate with the Horticultural Society and the city, both of which have tree planting programs, and talk to them about a better way to get residents to welcome trees because there's been a lot of resistance And many of those trees have ended up going to the suburbs or going to people's homes that have large backyards and not ended up on sidewalks where they're most needed. We feel that the best way is to give neighbors a guarantee that if a tree is planted by the city or by the Horticultural Society, that if the roots end up destroying the sidewalk, that the city will be responsible for making that repair. Because in a low-income neighborhood, that is a real issue. I had one person call me up irate when she saw our flyer saying, don't you dare put another tree in front of my house. I spent $3,500 getting one removed because it ruined the sidewalk. So we want thousands of trees throughout Nicetown and lower Germantown where they're needed. And we want FEND to help us make a map of the emissions that are coming from all kinds of standing sources throughout Philadelphia. They can use the DEP's records. There, there's a website, there's, there's a database that they can use to make a map of all of the standing sources, what's coming out of them and how much. This would help with us getting an environmental justice bill passed, which would prohibit any additional polluting projects in areas that are already saturated with air pollution. Right now, what's used to determine air quality levels are air management services monitoring system, but they only have 11 labs. They're pretty far apart. The one that's closest to the Nicetown gas plant is approximately 3.5 to four miles away, depending on how you look at it. When we challenged the air permit, they did an air study and they used background air from that lab, which is almost the distance from here on earth 
up into the sky where breathable air ends, <laughs> our envelope of air is 3.8 miles. So they used an air sample from 3.5 miles away. A lot of things happen within that range. The air monitoring system is not enough to determine whether it's safe to put something in a neighborhood. I saw an article that seemed to indicate that your group was going to use your own air monitors in your neighborhood. Yes. Yeah, we're finding residents who would like to put an air monitor on their front porch or their back porch. It is called a purple air monitor that measures particulates, which are especially high near Route 1 and all of the traffic streets. Um, those monitors will not be a good way to measure the gas plant itself, but it is a good indication of how mobile um, emissions are, are affecting people's health. Was there something else? Another thing that we've been doing since August is we've been on an advisory committee that is advising the Environment Committee of City Council. And what our job is to work with other organizations that were invited to this advisory group to produce legislation and suggest it to the chair of the Environment Committee, Catherine Gilmore Richardson. And so we have produced a resolution to transition PGW off of natural gas, and we've produced several pieces of legislation, one of which is to stop burning our trash in Chester. I think that is probably the one that's closest to our hearts. And we're finalizing one to be an environmental justice bill. Basically, it would protect neighborhoods that are already overpolluted in our city, which of course are neighborhoods of color and low income where dumping is usually done. Any place where there is above average pollution and above average disease should not invite another polluting project. It should be off limits. We know that any of these bills will probably not be passed without some public support. So we are going to be looking for public support in the future to help move some of these ideas forward. And how would people help with that? One thing they can do is go on our website, which is www.neighborsagainstthegasplants. Put the S on the end or you won't get there. Another thing they can do is email nixthegasplants at gmail.com. That's N-I-X-T-H-E-G-A-S-P-L-A-N-T-S at gmail.com. They can call 215-888-1894. And I would just like to add that everyone is invited to our meetings. Any last words of possible hope for the future or plans for the future you'd care to share? Oh, well, we do have a new president, just somewhat hopeful money is coming to Philadelphia. We hope that the Philadelphia City Council will arrange their budget with the climate crisis and environmental justice in mind. We're hoping that they will retrofit the schools, not just to deal with the asbestos mold and lead, the lead pipes, but also look at the energy systems running those schools. We're recommending geothermal energy 
for any school that is appropriate that, that can do this because it vastly reduces greenhouse gases. It makes a safer indoor environment. It's been shown at the Kensington Kappa to increase in attendance, increase achievement, increase the peace in the school. And, you know, we're hoping that this money can be putting solar on this, the roofs of schools, on parking lots, on anywhere they can go. And so, yeah, I think that there's movement and there's also a learning curve. I, I think especially for, okay, for the white community, I just have to say this as a white person of privilege, I keep thinking I understand. I keep thinking that after working 31 years in the public schools and then the environmental work I've been doing in Nice Down, that I get it. And every single day almost, I learn something new and I realize how much I still don't know. And so for white people, even not of privilege, we need to realize that every day is a learning day. And I think that more and more people are open to learning that there is such huge disparity in our country and in our city on many levels. It's not just one or two things. It's so many different ways. And that everything affects everything else. I don't know if I have time for this, but when a person is exposed to poison, like air pollution, it can affect their personality. It can affect the way they behave with other people. It can make people hostile or violent. I know from personal experience, and this is one of the reasons why I got involved with this, you know, environmental stuff. I lived in a house with mold for a while. And my colleagues at work noticed when I was at the copying machine <laughs> that I was really irritable. And they just figured, oh, you know, maybe she's going through something. Maybe she's a little crazy, maybe this, maybe that. And they didn't say anything to me until later when I told them I had the mold in my house and that it affected my central nervous system, my brain and my body. I had Parkinson's symptoms and it was making me behave differently to other people. We have to be very careful not to blame the victim. If people who are living in toxic situations are not explaining what's happening to them in a way that sounds pleasant or a way that we can understand, or if they're not even talking about it at all because they've given up, we still need to stand there and be paying attention. And I think there's more willingness today in the white community to do that. And I also think that in the black community, especially people that have escaped those toxic conditions that can have the freedom to look, there's growing awareness. And even in the affected communities, there's the realization that there are environmental rights in this state. You know, we do have a constitutional amendment that says people have the right to breathe clean air and drink clean water. People are beginning to learn about that. Think about Philly Thrive down in South Philly. That whole movement was about the right to breathe. And the same thing in Nicetown. So, I'm hopeful, <laughs> but it's going to take a lot of work and we can't rest too long. It's, it's fine to take a day and enjoy the spring and the flowers and then come back, not get lost in it because it's too easy to do for people that have that privilege. It's too easy to just say, well, I gave, my, I gave it work. <laughs> you know, I, I sent money to an organization, whatever. It's just not enough. Well, thank you for telling us about some of those other medical effects 
I hadn't heard those particular ones. I certainly heard about asthma, you know, and breathing difficulties, but personality issues and that was new to me. Yeah, mold does that and so does air pollution from combustion engines. Particulates cause dementia, Alzheimer's, depression, brain damage, cognitive development for children is affected. You know, there's a lot of special ed students in polluted urban neighborhoods. Wonder why? It's lead, but not just lead. It's also air pollution. There's heart disease too. Um, cardiovascular disease is, is greatly affected as well. But um, <laughs> I wanted to end on an up note. So please get in touch with us because we need to keep on doing things that are inspiring. We need humor, we need levity, we need color, we need creativity, we need artists, musicians, we need everybody. Well, thank you. This has been inspirational, actually. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Lynn.